0: plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost their seventh game in a row, damn, uh, by a score of 115-112 to against the Utah Jazz. This one was a, a heartbreaker. Again, how many games in this stretch have been heartbreakers? I mean, um... The Hawks game, heartbreaker. Losing to Tony Snell on the buzzer. Um, this game, heartbreaker. Raptors lead for most of the uh, fourth quarter and they lose. Close game, but still. Felt like the Raptors outplayed the Jazz. Uh, Nick Nurse definitely thought that. We'll, we'll get to his comments in a second. Uh, you know, that Pistons loss was a bit of a heartbreaker. To be honest, losing to the Pistons under any circumstances is a heartbreaker. So, you know... Um, Tired of using that word, really. So I really don't want to harp on too many of the, uh, the bigger points. I mean, whether you want the team to tank, whether you want the team to trade players. Uh, I don't know, really. Um, you know, that's really outside of our control. Really, all of it's outside of our control. We just like to talk about it because sports is a distraction. Uh, although, to be honest, life is a distraction from the Raptors these days. Um, but I have to say it was a more enjoyable game. And maybe my standards are much lower because, you know, I've been watching a bunch of blowouts and covering them and um, basically begging people to listen and read and engage with the content. Which, thank you, by the way, thank you. Um, but this was legitimately better. This was legitimately better. And and who knows if they can sustain this, who knows who can carry this forward. But they got the fully healthy Raptors back. And the fully healthy Raptors played really well. Um, I thought... This is a really balanced effort from the Raptors, who got six players in double digits. Pascal Siakam led the way with 27 points, nine assists. This is obviously his best game back. was only been back two games, but, you know, definitely a sharp improvement from, like, what did he shoot? Three or 13 or something like that against the Pistons. So, definitely an improvement there. Um, and, of course, against a really quality opponent like the Jazz, I mean, the Raptors, you know, held their own, I thought. I mean... They played well. They played pretty damn well, and it just kind of didn't go their way. But I did think that, um, you know, I liked a lot what I saw. I was really entertained by the game. I, you know, didn't feel like if Norm Powell didn't score 60 points, the Raptors would lose. So it's been nice not having to expect 60 from Norm. Um, It's been nice to see a competent defensive effort. Now, you might say, well, Raptors give up 115, that's still not great. It's still not great, and, you know, the Raptors could do better defensively. I thought in the second quarter and the fourth quarter especially, there were some letoffs. But, having said that, though, first quarter and third quarter were the best defensive quarters the Raptors have played in quite some time. Obviously, they've had the personnel now, with everyone healthy, to play good defense. We know this group can play defense. We've seen them play defense at an elite level before this season, last season, the year before that as well. Uh, we know what they can do. Um... And it was just nice to see it happen against a good team. Look, did I have any expectations of winning a game against the Jazz with the Raptors playing the way they are? Probably not. I thought COVID would affect the players a little bit more than what we have seen. And, you know, it wasn't like these guys were completely, like, fully fit and everything like that. But guys did pretty well. And, you know, for the most part, they competed and they fought hard and... Just didn't come out for them. I mean, you know, again, this is more of a normal loss. The other losses I felt like really, really sick to my stomach watching them. At least with the team fully back and everything like that, kind of accepted a little bit more. Again, if you want to talk about the context of, you know, what you know, this means, the Raptors should tank. This means the Raptors should compete. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, that's that's really up to you guys to debate. At the moment, the Raptors are seventeen and twenty four. That is not a good record, and whether you want the Raptors to tank or not, seems like they're doing it anyways. And if you want the Raptors to tank, well, um, this is probably the best way to tank, which is to be competitive right to the end and uh, lose. But to me, it's still heartbreaking. It's still very painful um, because I thought the Raptors deserved to win this one, and, and there were a lot of good things that happened tonight, I mean, starting with the fact that they got their small ball starting five back together, which has been – I mean, we saw it against um, the Milwaukee Bucks for those two games where the Raptors won – that was awesome. Uh, we only saw it really for one of those games because the second game Kyle got... Well, the first game Kyle got hurt, you know, before halftime. He played a little bit in the third quarter, but checked out the, the repeat. The Raptors had to beat them without Kyle. They brought in DeAndre Bembry in that starting five, and they did quite well. Uh, we got to see the small ball vibe again. And, you know, turns out if you put five really good NBA players together, you're going to get good results. And, you know... The Raptors starters outplayed the Jazz starters, 55-44. Uh, to 44. This is according to Eric Corrine of The Athletic. Um, and it looked like that because the Raptors had a really good game plan for how to play the Jazz. I mean, look, the Raptors have played the Jazz quite well in recent years. They, they were up 40 at halftime last season against the Jazz. And then another game, you know, they went to Utah and they beat them playing Pat McCaw 38 minutes. You know, Pascal had a career high, I think, nine assists that game as well. He's already beat that this year and he had nine again tonight. So the Raptors had a pretty good formula against the Jazz, and the Jazz aren't that different of a team. They're playing better; they're more. They're, they have the most continuity, and you know they're, they've been one of the healthiest teams in the league, and so that's impacted their win total, which is great. But fundamentally speaking, they still have many of the same uh, principles in terms of what they do and things like that. And the Raptors had a pretty good strategy for how to guard the Jazz. I thought the Raptors. So first off, they played small which meant that they obviously needed one of Siakam or OG to guard uh, Gobert. They had Siakam guard Gobert, and what basically what the Raptors did was, look, when you're smaller like this, you can really apply pressure and play defense the way Nick Nurse wants to play. Because Nick Nurse doesn't want to play no drop scheme, doesn't want to go under the screen, doesn't really want to do any of that stuff. He either wants to really, really aggressively hound the ball, you know, double the ball, you know, uh, fly out, rotate, you know, use the athleticism, force turnovers, things like that, or he wants to play box and one and put it on a sweater because he's 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 a he's a sickle like that. Um, but in any case, this was you know a lineup that actually allowed the Raptors to play defense the way they wanted to be played. I mean, I recognize the Raptors' defense tonight. Uh, again, you know they could have done better, but the Jazz are a really good offensive club, and the Raptors did a lot of good things against them in terms of how they guarded them. They, I think they. Um, so, again, because they're athletic, you know, they, they're they able to use um, their their quickness and they're able to show high on screens. So, you know, the Jazz get a lot of uh, offense out of their pick and roll. And, you know, they did get some decent offense out of their pick and roll in the end, although most of it was on free throws. And I'll definitely get to that in a second because, man, Nick Nurse was pissed. And honestly, I was pretty pissed too. It, it didn't really feel like the Raptors could really... Uh, were given a chance to guard, let's say. Um, but... You know, what the Raptors were able to do was neutralize the, the, the Jazz's pick-and-roll because they weren't really letting these guys turn downhill, go downhill, and attack. And that takes away a lot of what Conley wants to do. That takes away a lot of what uh, Mitchell wants to do. Um, and it takes away kind of Gobert, which is really just, uh, you know, a big hurdle. I mean, I mean, you know, he's he's like a $200 million big hurdle. But still, I mean, listen, if you can get a quarter billion dollars to – be, uh, you know, Bismack Biombo basically in the 2016 playoffs, then uh, go ahead because you know he did that role quite well. Uh, Rudy did, but I thought the Raptors guarded pretty well. I think the Raptors did a good job in the, in the pick and roll game. I think they shut down a lot of the the, the, the Jazz's shooters. The thing with the Jazz is they, they have shot creators, but you know, um, they're not great one on one shot creators, they're more sort of play within the team. Clarkson come in and kind of jack up a couple of shots, but the Raptors did a decent job of shading him. Joe Ingles, he got away from the Raptors, and that was a real problem. But um, I thought for the, on the whole, like, the Raptors did a pretty good job in, in terms of cutting off the Jazz's ball movement. Like, you see in multiple games this year, Utah will have games, like, you know, 30 assists, you know, kind of um, not infrequently for them. And and I think that's something that, you know, is, is always very commendable as a team, but... Um, yeah, tonight, 21 assists for the Jazz. I mean, I think the Raptors did a really good job there. Cutting them off, you know, forcing guys into turnovers. I mean, Conley, six turnovers. You know, one of the steadiest point guards in the league, six turnovers. They did a good job there, and... um I thought the strategy worked well because I think even when they put Boucher into the game, they were able to still play aggressively on the pick and rolls because Boucher can also move his feet, come up, you know, attack, stuff like that. And, you know, really the only time it didn't really work out is when they put Baines in for a seven-minute stretch in the first quarter or in the first half. You know, um, Nick kind of just gave him a shot, really, because he was the third-string center off the bench. Uh, and maybe, you know, that was built in to sort of... Um, keep Pascal closer to his minutes limit. Again, he is coming off the COVID, so um, you know unless you wanted to play Chris Boucher thirty minutes, which, you know, I think defensively, there were a lot of things he was giving up that, you know, it wasn't really feasible to play him that many minutes, even though I thought he did a good job guarding the initial um shot action in itself in terms of coming up on the pick and roll and stuff like that. But Uh, You know, without extending Boucher, then they basically went with Baines. And and Baines wasn't really able to physically do it. We knew that. I mean, listen, when you ask Baines to come out outside the paint and not just stand around the basket, uh, it's going to be a a real issue. And to be honest, even when he is at the basket, it's an issue, too. So that didn't really work. But I thought a lot of good things happened. Like, I I, I really liked, um, you know, what some of the bench guys did. You know, Malachi, when you look at the box score, doesn't look that great. Three points in 18 minutes, one of four but basically, his role on offense is just to like bring the ball up half court and find Pascal, Kyle, Norm, uh, Fred, right? And and he's strictly speaking an off guard. Uh, but I, I like his on ball defense. That's one thing that you know was a, a highlight of Flynn's game in in college was that he was defensive player of the year for his conference, and you rarely see that, especially for a guy so small. But you know, he did he did a really good job shading Mike Conley, pressuring up against Jordan Clarkson. Those guys didn't really have great nights. You know, Conley, six turnovers, um, you know, whereas Clarkson, three of 13 shooting. I thought, honestly, Flynn did a really good job navigating those pick and rolls at an NBA level. It, you know, of course, he doesn't have many opportunities to run pick and roll himself, but... um Still, I thought Flynn was solid. I thought pa- uh, Paul uh, Watson came in and gave them some decent minutes, although he committed four fouls in 15 minutes. How does he always commit so many fouls, man? This is a real issue, man. I think the Raptors really want, like, just somebody to really take that spot because, you know, what they're expecting from Paul is the same as what they expect from Utah. is the same as what they expect from Stanley, which is just to come in, play defense, uh, help on the glass, you know, stuff like that. And Paul, again, there's some good activity, but also, I mean, every time you look at the boxer with Paul, it really is bare, really empty. This guy might just have, like, the Tony uh, the Tony Snell syndrome. But in any case, though, I thought, you know, the starting five looked good together as a group. I think the spacing, of course, on the floor is much better. And you just kind of notice, though, like, damn, you, you really do, you know, when these guys are out, you really do see, and then you, when you, they're out and then they come back, you really do see what you're missing. Especially with a guy like OG, for example, man. Nobody replaces what OG does in this team. Nobody. Like, nobody else on the team is capable of what he's doing. And it's not like the Raptors need him to be a star, but his role is indispensable to what the way the Raptors want to play, especially if they want to play small because they need OG to really chip in. And I thought his first shift, this is right after he came back from COVID, right? This is literally his first and only game since, uh, was excellent in terms of just that first shift, right? He was so solid in terms of what he was doing, right? Um, you know, he hits you know, a catch-and-shoot three. He works a pick-and-roll with Pascal, gets in the mid-range, hits a, you know, a, a pull-up mid-range jumper, very smooth. Um, you know, he, on the on defense, you know, collecting steals, jumping passing lanes, you know, um, playing within the scheme of the defense, just actually executing. You miss competence sometimes. And then you also miss the special stuff, which is like, you know, him contesting for rebounds or him, you know, jumping up at the rim, breaking up plays. You know, OG had, you know, a really nice night. And you kind of just continue that throughout the course of the game, uh, and yeah, I mean, like, damn, you know, you, you do miss him because you know he's he's able to hit clutch shots. He's able to contribute. Got a you know a, a very tight whistle, just like everybody else on the Raptors. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I, I thought I, you just you just love to have him back. You know, he's you know he hit a little post turnaround jumper. I, if you, I love that, he's really really developed that into something that he just does once a game, and it's nice to see. And, and um, he was in, he was completely in rhythm. You know, and You couldn't really tell that he had missed time at all due to anything, really, because he just came in and gave you a very efficient outing. I thought um, Pascal was quite good. He had a really shaky start where he was missing some jumpers, and I'm like, all right, here we go again. Not sure if this is COVID, not sure if this is just Pascal, because, you know, Pascal can sometimes do this. But then he really found his footing in the second quarter and just started like getting into a really good groove. Was taking really good shots. He was making jumpers as well, which obviously is going to help, especially against you know an opponent like the Jazz who do have Rudy Gobert stationed at the basket at all times. No three second call, uh, and so you're going to need Pascal to obviously shoot some jumpers, especially at the at, at the small ball five, to really stretch it out a little bit. And I thought once Gobert started showing up high, there were more opportunities for Pascal. Like one time, you know, Pascal came up for the screen. For for Kyle, Gobert came up with him because you can't really just lead Pascal. I mean, he was shooting well from three. Uh, and then Kyle was able to slip the pass to, to Siakam. And Siakam was able to slip um, in behind Gobert for a, a pick-and-roll finish, which you rarely see. The Jazz are very conservative with how they play Gobert. Um, Gobert can come out to the perimeter occasionally, but it never looks good for him. He, he looks real stiff. Uh, but still, um, you know... You just rarely see guys getting in behind Gobert for... for especially on the pick and roll, specifically. And, and Siakam's able to do that. To be honest, I kind of like Siakam being involved in more of these screen plays. Because once you're setting a screen, you're in the play. You can have things created for you. The defense is out of place. It's a little bit easier than always having Pascal drive downhill, attack the defense, go one-on-one, create, see where the help is coming from, dish it out. Of course, that's why you pay him AMX, because you want him to do the difficult stuff. But... You know, it does help his efficiency overall. And I think it helps the efficiency of the team overall, too. Um, Because I thought Pascal did a really good job. I mean, you know, when he he drew some extra help and stuff like that. He was able to get to some triple handoffs, stuff like that. Nine assists for him, kicking it out. Um, He he had a really good night. And again, it just sucks that he had his third shot of the year. In terms of game-winning or game-tying shot, uh, rim out. It has been so unfortunate to watch and I think for Pascal, I think he understands, like, yo, it's just funny at this point, man. Like, he... You know, after missing the shot, he he did the Kimba Walker thing, which was just to kind of laugh at it. And you know what? I don't even blame him, man. I mean, like, how could you blame him, really? Not not necessarily about the missing the shot. Whatever, man. People miss shots. People make shots. Obviously, the expectations are to make shots. Still, it was a pretty tough shot. It was, like, half a court in, long inbound. Stuff like that. But... um but, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just it's just funny at this point because all those shots were halfway down. <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe the Raptors just used up all their luck on the Kawhi shot. You know, maybe that was it. Maybe it was just like, you know, no more shots are going to bounce in for you after that one. Which, if that's the case, I don't mind. To be honest, I'll take that over all these other pl- little meaningless regular season games where we're all fake and stuff like that. But, yeah, I thought Pascal played well. I thought his energy was good, too. He had to obviously, uh, you know, really play against Gobert. Um And, you know, if you can sustain that role as the small ball center, you know, maybe him and OG trade off occasionally. Of course, you have guys on the bench who can kind of spell, you know, the, the, you know, come in and, and spell them. I, I like the small ball group. I really like them. I just, I think they play well. I like when I look at a box score in the starting lineup. Everybody has double-digit scoring. You know, 27 for Pascal, 17 for Norm, 15 for OG, 14 for Kyle, 17 for Fred. Um. I like seeing that, you know, and and, it it, it, to me, it it points to a team that functions well together, a lineup that functions well together. And the Raptors, again, the starting five did do really well together. Um, I thought Fred had some ups and downs, you know, obviously had to create a little bit offensively. 41 minutes for him seems a little bit long for the kind of stuff that he was doing tonight in terms of obviously, you know, coming back from COVID, but uh, did a pretty decent job. Obviously, you know, again, he also got a pretty terrible whistle. A couple of those plays where he, you know... He's getting his hands in there, breaking it up. Again, being the steals leader apparently doesn't give you any credibility or anything like that. I'm just going to be called for fouls. But, um yeah, Fred, you know, did a decent job. You know, the, the pull-up three, or the three in general, hasn't really fallen him from the last two games. And I think much of that is just finding his rhythm and, and obviously, you know, um, coming back and everything like that. Um Does he fully have his legs under him and things like that? Because he, he is a guy who... He doesn't really jump too much into a shot. He doesn't really get high off the ground, pretty much ever. But um, I do wonder if that that little hop that he does for the for the three, um, if his legs are fully under him for it. And, you know, sometimes he drives to the basket and gets blocked. I mean, you know, the Jazz are, are a bit of a tough opponent for for Fred in that in that way. But I thought Fred played well, decently. I mean, he got into the paint a lot, kicked it out. You know, got good offense off of that. Nine assists for him. I really don't have that many issues with the way most guys play. Even Boucher, I mean, you know, the, you know, After Nick Nurse calls him out for saying he's a, he's a def- terrible defensive rebounder, he goes out there and, and shows why because he only has two. Uh, and you know, there was some uh, obviously, he you know, he fouled by jumping a little bit too much. You know, um, Conley got him. Although to be honest, man, that little pump fake and then the the like, so this is what happens, okay. Late clock situation. The Raptors got a got you know the, the the Jazz scrambling a little bit. Jazz kick it out to Conley in the corner. Maybe two seconds left. Boucher obviously comes out and flies out and tries to you know um, chase him off the line or block, and then Conley just like in anticipation of Boucher coming up, he spins his back to the basket, but then sticks his hands out, and so Boucher touches him on the on the closeout, and that's three points like. Listen, man, th- three points is a lot of points. We gotta really value three points, and we, we can't just be giving it away like that on charity. But you know that's that's kind of the game, and and that's where you do lose the game because damn, forty-one to fourteen is in the foul disparity is is tough to stomach. It-, it really is in in the sense that I need to like eat a tums after watching the amount of times I saw Donovan Mitchell close his eyes and take a deep breath before attempting one of his sixteen free throw attempts. Like it's just. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it's, it's a lot to watch, man. I mean, Mitchell played well. Don't get me wrong, man. He made some... Obviously, he didn't hit any threes. 0 for 9 from 3. He couldn't really find his range there, but got into the in-between area. So tricky to guard. If, if you are a guy who can shoot, can get to the basket, but also can play in that in-between area, like a DeMar DeRozan, making some terrible... like some so not terrible shots, really, because I don't want to be Paul George and say that's a bad shot. stuff like that. But, I mean, like, you know, just... Awkward angles, leaning push shots, stuff like that. I mean, and those are shots where if you can make those, defense can't really do anything to you, man. If you're fading and the defense has already jumped up and they're trying to contest, like there's only so much you can do. Like, literally one time, Donovan Mitchell tried to throw a lob to Rudy Gobert, and it went f- perfectly through the basket. Like, it was a, a, like a floater from Mike Conley, for example. So, um, Mitchell played well, and absolutely, down the stretch, he, he killed the Raptors, man. Uh, you know, he, the Raptors had some stagnant offensive possessions. Raptors were up five with under a minute or under two minutes left. And then they had some stagnant possessions. You know, Kyle got like a late pull up too. That didn't really look good. You know, I, you know, I think Fred had a shot, you know, just, it didn't look the greatest. I'll just say that. Whereas Mitchell was able to capitalize on the missed shots, just come down the floor, get a screen, drop, got to the free throw line, get a screen, you know, get to the mid range area, pull up. So all credit to him, but um, the foul disparity, man, it's tough. Look, I had to do the research into this because, you know, well, Kyle mentioned after the game, you know, it's not the first time a guy has single-handedly shot more free throws than the Raptors as a team. Mitchell had 16 attempts tonight for uh, Utah, uh, whereas the Raptors had 14 as a whole, as the entire team. And I had to look into that. And, yeah, this is not the first time because Giannis had a game earlier this season when, uh, you know, the only time the Bucks beat the Raptors. Uh, 16 free throw attempts for Giannis, 14 for the Raptors. That one you can kind of understand. I mean, listen, Raptors early in the season defensively were not sound. To be honest, even now, defensively, they're just not totally sound. But uh, Giannis is a guy who's just going to run to the rim every single time. So him getting 16 free throw attempts, I get. Joel Embiid, you know, having 16 free throw attempts, um, you know, by himself and 14 for the Raptors and, and, and uh, one of Philly's wins over the Raptors. That I understand. The Raptors don't have great centers. That I think that was the third game of the season as well. We were playing Alex Len. Okay, you know another game. Embiid had 13 free throws. The Raptors had 14 as team. But that's the game the Raptors won. Uh, Jalen Brown had a game where he had 16 free throw attempts, and the Raptors had 17. That was the game where the Raptors lost um, recently to the Celtics, where the Raptors competed really hard, but Jalen Brown kept falling over on drives and and the referees kept giving it to him. Uh, and now Mitchell, 16-14. to 14. It's happened a few times. It's frustrating. But I do think that it, that does speak to specifically just a lack of, like, reliable rim protection for the Raptors. Because even when you do have the small ball group, you know, it, it, it's still going to give up some shots. Like, you know, when when they're able to break the initial uh, point of attack, and if they're able to split the pick and roll, if they're able to split the, the, the two defenders up top and stuff like that, It'd be real because I don't really know who's fully gonna contest at the basket. Kind of is OG, and OG did get his fair share of stops, so I'm not gonna blame it on OG, but you know, it's not quite the same as having you know Marcus all back there or Serge Ibaka back there. And again, Boucher has been, you know, soft defensively at the basket. Uh and he gives away fouls there too. And then Baines is just Baines. Like Baines is, you know, as as uh the slander expert as uh you know, dubbed him. He's he's like a tree stump. And yeah, I mean You know, give me me Treebeard from from, uh, (laughs) the Forest of Fangorn, please. I I would much prefer him at center at this point. But in any case, um, yeah, the disparity was tough, though. I mean, it was tough. Kyle, I thought, really had a tough whistle on him. Kyle's usually a guy who gets respect from the referees because, A, he really (laughs) lobbies for it, but also, B, because he's a vet, man. He's a vet. He's an established guy. He's a champion. He's He's a star in this league. He's able to get away usually with using his physicality to overcome a little bit of his um, lack of quickness. But Kyle was in foul trouble. OG fouled out. I mean, when do you see that happen? Um, You know, Norm, you know, got slapped with a couple of fouls. You know, like, it's just tough, man. Um, You know, when you look at the final score, not only did the Raptors... uh, You know, concede 41 free throw attempts uh, and only have 14 of their own, but the Raptors were called for 28 fouls and the Jazz called for 16. That is rare. You just rarely see that happen. Um. Usually, sometimes free throw disparity can can change stuff like that. Of course, the nature of the way you foul is going to be different. Uh, but usually speaking, even if free throws are different, usually the number of fouls at the end of the game are very equivalent. And I, obviously, I have to go back to the game and rewatch every single game, foul, and you know, maybe submit like a Dara Mori white paper to the league and stuff like that. And you know, just uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. I have shame. I, I'm not going to be like Dara Mori but um, you know. That's a lot. That's that's a lot. And and I can feel the frustration because when Nick Nurse was you know, in the post game presser, I mean this guy was seething, like literally like hopping with rage. Um he brought up <laughs> the free throw attempts. Not 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 us. Uh he brought it up first. Obviously we asked him about it. Uh he wasn't that thrilled, obviously. But um yeah, it's it's tough, man. It it's it's tough. I mean, of course, like, you know, the Jazz do have guys who can draw fouls, like Mitchell is a guy who can just like run pick and roll over and over and over again and get into the lane and you know like he's like he's a star player too and so stuff like that but it's just tough you never want to lose a game in this fashion because the Raptors shot I mean look at this forty eight percent from three, 21 of forty four you really can't shoot any better than that let's be real um, shot decently from the the two point range as well of course now um, Gobert is there so that that does hurt your a lot of ch- your chances at the basket but. You know, Raptors moved the ball well as a team. 31 assists. You know, you got 9 from Pascal, 8 from Kyle, 9 from Fred. That's awesome. That's an awesome effort. They turned the ball over less than the Jazz. You know, it's just the, the, the free throws. And you just can't overcome that. And, of course, Raptors could have executed better down the stretch. I think that's the part where, you know, if you're Nick, you probably obviously want to hold your team accountable for that. But at the same time, when you're in the bonus, when it's three minutes in the fourth quarter, you already have, like, three, four fouls on you, like you you're probably going to be giving them a pretty big number that that quarter and the Raptors just you know couldn't really hold it down. So look, they they've lost their, their seventh straight game. It's uh it's bad. I mean, they're 17 and 24. If you look at the standings at the moment, which unfortunately we're looking at the standings not to um not to go to the playoffs or or not to jockey for positioning or not even looking at the standings to make fun of the Boston Celtics who Listen, the one time the Celtics are under 500, the Raptors also have to be under 500. You would have loved to just have that happen in a previous season, so we can just make fun of the Celtics. Celtics losing tonight, 107 to 96 against the Sacramento Kings. I mean, listen, man, the Kings are a pretty bad defense. So if you can only score 96 points on the Kings, I really need Nick Nurse to watch that film and replicate whatever the hell the Kings did because it seems like the Raptors uh, always give them 130 to uh, to. Uh, Boston, but in any case, if you look at the standings at the moment, the Raptors are 11th in the conference, where they started the game tonight, they're only a game and a half up on Washington for 12th in the conference, only two games up on the Cleveland Cavaliers for 13th in the conference, and, you know... Uh, only three games back of Orlando for 14th in the conference. And listen, you, you can get a pretty good pick. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm saying is you can get a pretty good pick. A lot of teams in the league right now at 17 and 24. Sacramento's there. Uh, Oklahoma City's there. New Orleans Pelicans is there. I think Pelicans probably buy a little bit. They might they might make some moves, but I think their, their goal is to compete. Um, so Oklahoma City, you, you know, they're just gonna sell as many players as they can for first round picks, second round picks, third round picks, fourth round picks. You know, it, you know, yeah, it, that's that's Sam Presti at the moment. And the Kings, to be honest, it seems like the Kings want to compete too. So, look, listen, maybe that's all just smoke and mirrors, but, you know, there is a chance there. And if that's the direction you want to go, that's the direction you want to go. But listen, I mean, we can speculate all we want. You know, the trade deadline is going to come up soon. So, uh, we'll know our answer. We'll know what the team feels like. To be honest, if they got in this win, you know, it could have been a pretty big turning point, obviously, you know... Um you would have loved to have beaten the Jazz, who have the best record in the NBA. Although they do give me huge 2018 Raptors vibes, which is good and bad. It's good. it's bad in the sense that you're going to play LeBron eventually. Uh, and that's going to be tough for you. And you have a shooting guy that relies a lot on free throws. Not actually that efficient with the shooting. You have a center that's a little bit... A center that's very productive and very good, but also like can be exploited defensively. You have uh, a point guard who doesn't always score the best, but is, plays a very solid game all around. You have a bench that is pretty productive, but you, you know. And, and, of course, the team has good vibes, and guys are healthy and everything like that, you know. Again, I don't want to sign the 2018 Raptors. I had a really fun year watching that team uh, right until, you know, um, well, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. But just, just, just right until a certain point, right after the... Uh, Raptors beat the Washington Wizards in six games after DeLon Wright blocked uh, Kelly Oubre at the basket. Um, But in any case, you know, this could have been a really great game to propel them forward. But it's kind of just another wasted effort. And this is the thing with the Raptors, man. I mean, I want to come on here and just say, like, look, sometimes, you know, these games, you know, this is a step in the right direction. You know, um, we'll take it, build off this, go over. To be honest, what's been clear this season is that there is no real such thing as continuity. There's no real such thing as sort of, like, just, like continuing an effort and just propelling it forward, like, that hasn't really happened for teams. Like, it's just so disjointed because of the schedule, because of whatever, because I'm sure players are probably lacking motivations, honestly, without fans in the crowd and with uh, a global pandemic happening. But um, it's just kind of not coming off for them. I don't know what else to say, really. That's that's really the only way to describe it. And, um, yeah, you know, this could have been a great win. This could have really been a really nice moment. Uh, but it wasn't. And, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. At least the Raptors got their guys back. They're more competitive, so at least if you watch these games, they're still going to be closer, <laughs> um, which, you know, I, I prefer that. I mean, listen, you know, there's a lot of time during a pandemic. You're at home all the time. If the Raptors can entertain you for two and a half hours, regardless of the result, I will take that. So, in terms of your three stars, I will put... I, honestly, I put OJ and OB as the first star, and... This is a little bit wild. I, I think Pascal did play a, a game that was better than OG. But I think it's just like you just missed OG so much. Like, I, you know, again, the guy took the fewer shots in the starting five, which is what you expect. He's the fifth option. But, you know, made the most of those opportunities. Made some, you know, high skill plays. Uh, four steals for OG. Played his role really well uh, rebounded, and just, like, I just, I just missed OG the most, I think that's really what my three stars really are saying at the moment, it's just, like, which guy did I miss, because I missed OG, no one else really brings this OG kind of stuff, like, you kind of get, like, a little bit of that defensive IQ when you put in, like, DeAndre Bembry, you know, the activity, the switchability, something like that, kind of, and then you kind of have, like, the strength that, like, um, you know, Stanley Johnson can replicate, um, you know, you kind of get a little bit of the rebounding with Utah, but really, like, there is no replacing what OG does. Like, I think he's just a very unique piece, and that's probably why he got, you know, a $72 million contract. It tells you that you're a unique player. Um, yeah, he was really good in his role. Uh, I really enjoyed OG. I didn't miss a beat. Came back. Unfortunately, us reporters only had one question for OG in the postgame. It was pretty funny to watch, to be honest. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really have anything to ask OG for some reason, but uh, I, I expected the usual reporters to... To have uh, chipped in with something. But I don't know, man. OG also made us wait for like half an hour so. Maybe people just weren't at their computers. In any case, uh OG gets your first star, Second start given to Pascal. 27 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, got off to a slow start. I think he missed his first 4 shots. But finished 9 of 22 from the field. 4 of 10 from 3. Obviously, that last miss was halfway down. Really a 4.5 out of 10. Uh But yeah, I mean, of course, that's not how the game is played. Um, yeah, Pascal played well, man. He had a really difficult job guarding it so often in the pick and roll against Gobert. Had a tough whistle. You know, one one time he was just, like, moving his feet, trying to guard Mitchell. And they just like, all right, Mitchell's for the free throw line. And I'm like, again? Again? Is, is this what you think we want to watch as an NBA product is 41 free throws? Uh, it, you know, it boggles the mind. But in any case, I thought Pascal played well. Um, really got into a rhythm. And when you get to the rhythm, man, it's just really fun to watch the guy. Like, it really is. Like, I know people... You know, got all these memes and bars for him. I don't know, man. It just seems weird that to, he's the guy to have an agenda against because he's such a fun player. He's such a, a enthusiastic player. He's you know, seems like a great dude. And uh, I just don't know, like, why people hate on this guy. But yeah, no, it's fun to watch him, man. I, I really enjoyed watching Pascal. The old Pascal's back tonight, of course. And then third star, um, you can go up a number of places with this. I'm going to ultimately give it to Norm. And the reason I'm giving give it to Norm, not necessarily because Norm was the third best player. And maybe that maybe renders the three stars format a, a little bit useless in this sense. But I like the way Norm battled back because he had a slow start to the game. The Jazz were doing a really good job of, like, when he came off curls, meeting him, stopping his progression, cutting his momentum off, forcing him to play a lot more, you know, off the pick and roll, which is not great for him. Uh, And, you know, I thought Norm honestly turned down a couple of shots too. Because when you're back with some actual talent, Norm obviously is not going to take, like, every single shot. But I kind of like his mentality when he takes every single shot. I really do. Like, not necessarily forcing it, but just, like, being in rhythm and just being in that mentality of every single time I'm open, I'm shooting, and I'm going to punish the defense. And I thought Norm really got into a really good groove in the fourth quarter. Uh, hit a three, you know, drove inside uh, for a dunk, you know, beat Rudy Gobert at the basket, kicked it out, uh, you know, forced help, you know, um, and then that led to a three. I, I, I thought Norm played well, and I liked the way he battled back from a slow start. You kind of you can't have all or nothing, Norm. We're past that point. We're gonna need good Norm pretty much on a consistent basis. We need good to great Norm, and if he can do that, then then you're comfortable with him being a starter because the rest of it is just you know. Um, of course, yeah, you know, defensively, he's probably the worst out of the five. But, I mean, still, he's not bad defensively. Like, you know, when he's focused and stuff, he's not bad defensively. He's not a huge liability there by any means. And, of course, offensively it gives you a lot. So, I like the way he figured it out. I Obviously, I, I think, you know, if the Raptors get into a playoff setting, and I hate that I'm saying if, uh, but if the Raptors get into a playoff setting, they are going to be a lot of nights like this where Norm's getting, you know, a really physical defense and he's facing extra bodies. Guys are scheming really well. They got a guy back at the rim like Gobert who's going to block a shot. Uh, they're going to force him to play a little one-on-one, a little bit more. Um, and you kind of need Norm to stay effective and find ways to, to solve it. And I thought Norm did a good job of that. So uh, here's hoping that he can carry this momentum forward because, you know, he's he's setting himself up for, for a big payday. But um, I'm also hoping that... Um, He's he's, he's that's, that's the Raptors that uh end up keeping him because he's he's played well. Uh, in terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, that's got to go to Jingling Joe Ingalls, man. Five of six from the field, all threes and four free throw attempts for 19.6 assists, five rebounds. That's what the Raptors are missing off the bench is a guy who come in and create a a guy who can shoot a three and make a three, but B, a guy who can come in and create and just play. You know, like Ingalls was solid defensively, he was guarding norm for a lot of it. Um, But just the play creation, man, just like a guy who can come in, you know, settle the game down, you know, maintain the pace of the the offense and sort of sustain that effort, you know, give the team a few threes. And, of course, Ingles, you know, got really hot today and started making some tough ones, too. But um, just a guy who's smart, who can really come in and be that sixth man, the Raptors have really missed that um, in the form of a guard this season. So, um, yeah, very envious of Joe Ingles, which honestly... This season, I've been envious of a lot of strange players. And, um, yeah, Ingles is not even close to the worst one that I've been envious of. So, that does for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Once again, I want to leave a reminder to uh, subscribe to the uh, Raptors Reaction Newsletter. As I've mentioned before, you can get all your post-game coverage in one place directly to your inbox after every game day. So, that means tomorrow on Saturday and also on Monday after the Sunday's game. Uh, And in that inbox, you will find all the stuff that you need after a game, which is game highlights, you can find post-game reaction, you can get 10 things, you can get the podcast, you can get uh, memes, you can get your mailbag questions answered. So I think it's great, man. I've really enjoyed doing them. I've really enjoyed um, writing uh, more. Obviously, I'm a little time-strapped usually, but still, it's nice to get into a mailbag format and answer and directly interact with fans. Uh, thank you to people who have sent in questions already and I encourage people to keep doing it. And yeah, so subscribe to that. It'll, I'll drop a link to the newsletter in the description of the podcast below. But um, yeah, hopefully the rappers can win some because I feel like that would really help the product. But in any case, I appreciate everyone for listening. Um, rappers are, I don't know, to be honest. Actually, I don't know. I, um, you know, they're getting healthier and. Playing better basketball today, so we'll see where they go. We'll see where they go at the trade deadline. Of course, uh, I'll be here to cover all of that. And um, I appreciate everyone for listening. So uh catch you next game on Sunday.
0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.